0: Hey, hey, welcome back team. How's life been treating you, you sensitive, silly, sharp, shocked, and sincere specs? Hopefully everything's going well in the weird, wild, wonderful world, you generous, genuine, giant, global, and glowing specs. Hope you have a wonderful week, you tactful, tired, terrified, terrific, and talkative specs. Welcome to another edition of Beautiful Dust Here, a podcast where we're trying to show you, we, there's just me in this microphone, trying to show you how an understanding of science can peel back the layers of reality and therefore peel back the layers of awesomeness. You bring the curiosity, I'll bring the passion and enthusiasm each week, and we'll dive deep into some new topics. So, this week's topic, connections. That's what we're all going for, right? We're all out there, we're all trying to find our way, we're trying to figure out what the why, the who, the what of us you know, that's what we do. We're a community, of people. That's why there's so many things in society that work on such great levels because of the comu- because of the community. And I'm a big uh, CrossFitter. I do a lot with the CrossFit community. I teach yoga to them. I do CrossFit. I coach CrossFit. You know, I, I like it. It has its ups and its downs, but it's very popular. And one of the best things about it is the community. It's, it's lost its luster because everyone's like into what they're into now, and it's getting a little mainstream. And yuppie, but you know, whatever. So the communities and the connections are a huge part of life. You know, in essence, love's a connection, family's a connection, all these things that, when not given to you, can make your life a pretty challenging event. You know, when you go through phases of being single and not having people in your life or you feel a little lonely, it's because maybe you feel n- lack of connection. I got my two little puppies over there, Cosmos and Hubble. Yes, they're named after the universe and the scientist, not the telescope, because that scientist was a baller, Edwin Hubble. Where you? How you doing, buddy? You're dead, but, you know, if you were here, we'd we'd hang, hopefully. You'd be on my podcast, but probably not. got a sweet telescope named after you, so thanks. So, we look at these connections, and that's what I want to talk about today. I want to show us a couple examples of these, and I'm kind of poaching them. Um, Every once in a while, stuff comes through the ether of the podcast that our forever changing, and I could give you many. I actually might start on my website, which I now have the domain, com. Please check it out. I don't want to advertise myself too much, but I kind of need to get to that point now to start getting some feedback from the people that are out there. Uh, let me know what you're thinking. Let me know anything about this, because I love this. This is a passion project, and I want it to grow not for money. I want it to grow to get the word out there and to get people thinking, feeling, and talking You know, to really understand what this life is and the more we can get this out to the people the more legitimate it comes and the more conversations we're going to have with more people that want to have them and it's going to grow and it's going to snowball and it can continue so you can check me out there you can check me out at at the underscore science bro that's on twitter facebook.com forward forward slash beautiful dust specs and instagram beautiful dust specs all of those work out uh please drop me a line tell me what's your most astounding fact tell me anything good or bad about the podcast do you like the running adjectives do i need an intro should i keep going should i stop and just unplug the mic you know whatever whatever you're feeling let me know but i'm digressing here so i feel like i had to do that sorry So the connections, and when we get into this, I'll post on this website, there are certain podcasts out there that will forever change your life, and in 2015, so a while ago, I've been listening to the TED Radio Hour for a long time, and it's one of the top five podcasts. It's top three I'd recommend if you were going to get into the world of podcasts and start listening to them, because although it's growing, a lot of people still don't know what's up. It's a way of taking audio in your downtime while you're driving or just sitting around and filling your brain with... Noise that means something to you. Fill in your brain with sounds that can change your perspectives on things. And that's what we do. We change perspectives and we change paradigms. That's what's going down here. So the TED Radio R in 2015 released an episode called Everything is Connected. And it's part, of my, it's part of my downloads. I was just listening to it and kicking it. And like, all of a sudden, I was just like, I got done with the episode. I was blown away. I was like, well, my God, what an amazing episode. And what they do is they splice in TED Talks. And then Guy Raz, who is a very interesting human being, uh, kind of goes with it. And it's an NPR show. So they have a lot of great editing. It's just a wonderful show. So this show is called Everything is Connected. And it was released in 2015, August 28th, I think. It's just awesome. I play it every semester in my class for both my classes, and the kids just love it. And the connection points in this are so fascinating, and it's just hard not to... I'm going to put my own little spin on it here and just give it to my audience, and hopefully you go find it from the source down the road. But what this talks about is ecology, and we're studying this in my bio classes, so I don't even need a lot of notes right now because this is what I do. I know what this is because this is the number one thing in the biological realm that gets me stoked and just excited beyond all belief to teach. I hope the kids are resonating with it because it just means everything to me. It's the most... Intricate thing that somebody can teach you in the scientific world is that you and us and it and all of this is connected beyond any belief. The more and more you study science, the more you study anything, you just see connections upon connections and it makes you feel global, grand and awesome all wrapped up at the same time. And that's what we're trying to feel. We're trying to find connections and this science, this science of whatever can help you do that. It can it doesn't need to change your opinions on whatever if you have You know, you just fold it into the thing that is you. And when you sit there, when you walk around the world and go outside and get into vitamin D and enjoy walking around on this big rock, flying around on this big sun, it just makes everything grand. So what this talks about is ecology. Ecology is the study of ecosystems. It's the study of organisms, the abiotic, which is dead stuff. And the not dead, it's like rock, inorganic matter. Uh, not not from living stuff, not carbon based Eh, that's not right, just not living I'm trying to some people say I make this too sciencey, so i 'm trying to knock it knock down the words a little bit, and then there's biotic biotic bio means life all right and that's what it is it's the interaction between the two of them but what it all comes down to is it comes down to energy and water it's this thing called the trophic pyramid the food pyramid food webs you know the the chain of energy as it permeates through the ecosystem and we've talked about that on the other episodes and i hope that resonates with you we are going to be talking about things in this episode that are intergal- intergalactic coagulated balls of stellar matter. Energized by starlight and completely and utterly that is not a lie that is not a fib scientifically proven the elements here that make up everything it's a powerful world everything is made of stardust and you are energized by starlight. So everything is, because we're all connected. So what they talk about here is this very new concept called a keystone species. And if you know the Roman aquifers, the keystone is the, 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 the stone at the top, right at the arch, the pinnacle of the arch, that if it was pulled down and just one rock was removed, the whole bridge would cascade. The whole bridge would fall inward on itself. And if you know Roman history, that the aquifers and the aqueducts were an amazing technological advancement, and it was centered around this keystone. So what it is is you pull the top off and the whole thing crumbles. So they have this concept with species. And the top of a food pyramid is what you call the apex predator. The bottom is what you call the producer. The producer produces. They don't you know they don't make movies. The consumers consume. The producers have this amazingly powerful, weird, wild, awesome thing that we call photosynthesis or methanosynthesis or thermosynthesis whatever they can take energy and turn it in they can take sunlight which is energy and turn it into organic energy to chemical energy primarily to sugars and that's what that is, is it that's what this energy that i have coursing through my body once was it was one starlight so the ecosystems are set up this way from a top down a bottom up approach the biggest amount of creatures are on the bottom and it goes upwards like a like a like a pyramid like a like a triangle up to the apex which is the top the apex predators are the BA's you don't mess with the apex predators pretty much what it means is that they don't have any other predators they're the the king of the castle you know king of the castle king of the castle no one messes with them but we thought for a long time that they're, you know, they're gnarly. Example here was in, you know, 70 years ago. So what, 80 years ago now, a long time ago, they started removing the gray wolves from Yellowstone and all over North America because it was farmers and people were starting to complain because, you know wolves aren't wolves don't care that you own the cow they're not like hey that's like that's like the that's like that nice you know that's the nice guy like don't mess with him we won't eat his cows they're just like moo and the wolves like score and <laughs> dead cow right so they were losing they were losing ground they were losing crops they were losing all this stuff because of these you know wolves so they took them out they removed them and after seven years went by, <clears throat> it had an incredibly negative influence, more so than you could ever possibly imagine. And this is what George in our in our TED Talk talks about here, and it's beautiful. What happened was, in 1995, they started introducing them back in. And at this time, Yellowstone was in a kind of a disarray. The ecosystem was not what we classify as healthy. Healthy is biodiversity, meaning a wide array of different species, not just biomass, not just a whole ton of creatures that are out there. So what was happening was the valleys, because Yellowstone's a topographic cool thing. I've never been there. I really got to get there, especially for the stars. I heard the stars are amazing and what was going down was the valleys were getting decimated because what was skyrocketing was the deer the deer were just everywhere they were flourishing like crazy and the deer like all animals are not like creatures you know not like humans we 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 could argue if we're smart enough for this too but the deer aren't going to get together and Be like hey deer like listen up bros like Yellowstone is like a super sweet place for tourists, and like we're eating way too many leaves. Susie, I see you over there. Like, you're that's like your sixth leaf in the last five minutes, girl. Like, you need to chill out a little bit. No, they're just like, no predators, score, leaves, reproduction, population, woohoo. You know, they don't care. So, that was decimating the ecosystem because the plants are the producers. The plants are not only the producers, the plants are habitats. The trees are habitats for a wide array of ecosystems. Not to mention, they have roots that keep the soil healthy. There's rivers. And streams and water that runs through Yellowstone and erosion is not a bad thing, or is a bad thing because soil is wonderful. Soil and dirt are two separate things. Soil is sexy. Soil is amazing. Soil is an ecosystem unto itself. Dirt is dirt. It's it's abiotic, but in essence, real soil is actually almost a biotic thing because it's teeming with life and bacteria and nitrogen and phosphorus and all these wonderful things that allows plant to grow. You know, and that's what we have. You know, it, that the connections are just in, in constant just in a constant state of new connections i'm trying not to get ahead of myself here i get really excited really fast when i start talking about this so fast forward 1995 they introduced the wolves back in and it turns out that the array of con like the array of impact that the apex predator had was just staggering and more so than you could ever possibly imagine so right off the get-go you know a lot of deers die and the deers then are going to be hunted they change their patterns like an apex predator changes the behavior of the predator of the prey sorry and then it fu- it went back up up into, the, into, the, into the mountains a little bit. It got away from the valley. So then the trees started flourishing. Then like bears came back, beavers came back, rivers, or like the birds, the songbirds, all of them came back. It also turns out that a new study find that if wolves kill like a deer, they're not gonna eat the whole thing. They leave most behind. And that leaving behind can feed upwards of 20 different scavengers. So the wolf can get the deer to leave, which will change and, and allow for the healthy producers of the world to continue. It also feeds creatures in its scavenging ways, and the craziest thing that they found was that it turned out that the the river, in essence, flowed straighter. It didn't meander as much. It didn't lose ground. The wolf wolf coming in actually changed the ground. It changed the flow of the river in a more healthy way, not just the level of connectivity of living matter, it changed the flow of the water, and that's just gorgeous. That is just so beautiful beyond comprehension. So these things that we've, you know... We've made gnarly. We've made them scary, scary wolves, which they are. I don't want to mess with the wolf. Don't mess with the wolf. They'd kick your butt. You know. I always joke around and look at my two little fluffy poodles here, curled up on a blanket. And it's like if natural selection picks a dog, you get a wolf. If humans pick a dog, we get Cosmo and Hubble, two little poodles who are now looking at me because I said their names. You know, it's just kind of a funny thing to think about. But these wolves just go through this. It's just this constant cycle upon cycle. This nat- natural ability to just be so connected that this top-down approach turning out that the wolf was holding the ecosystem together the wolf was the checks and balance the big kid on the street was keeping the neighborhood in check and without it the neighborhood ran amok but very quickly not only that it changed but that it can change back that nature finds its rhythm that it finds its balance and that's what science teaches us that it's all connected and it's all balanced all right so story number two this turns out to be a story that they gloss over not a a little quickly but it's amazing and there's actually a ton of stuff on it there's some wonderful um, art. Articles out there like the hidden power of whale poop, and you know there was the the poop the whale poop fuels the world, you know all this kind of stuff. So whale poop, yeah, this is what we're talking about here. So the Japanese whalers were killing off all the whales, and one of the things they always say is that they're doing it for science, which you know I have my opinions on. It's a cultural thing. I'm not judging them. It is what it is. It's a pretty horrific process to check it out, though. If you have ever seen it, I still can't bring myself to watch the Cove movie, even though it's about do- dolphins. But I watch Whale Wars a few times. So. These blue whales are huge, and what the Japanese were saying that the blue whales eat Tons of krill. I mean, just tons. And a ton is what we call it. I mean, a krill is what we call a zooplankton. There's zooplankton and phytoplankton. So, again, phytoplankton is the tiny little diatoms, these tiny little protista that are the primary producers. A lot of people don't know this. We need to keep the oceans. The oceans are the lifeblood of everything weather, wind, rain, you name it. It, It's from convection currents found in the ocean based on the temperatures. That's why we're having this crazy weather because of global warming, I'll say it. And because of you know, El Nino and La Niña, these crazy oceanic currents. But the ocean also produces seventy five percent of the photosynthesis on the planet. Seventy five plus or minus percent of all the oxygen that is created, this wonderful thing that not only takes in that takes in CO two, the toxin from my breath, and, ex- and exhales, respirates out this amazing oxygen, and creates sugars. So the the plankton of the ocean are vital, and it turns out that as these whales go way down into the deep, they eat tons of krill. They get this nitrogen rich, you know, organic matter from the deep, and they come on up, and they great, You can search for it on Google. It's amazing. They call them fecal plumes, and then this guy's an amazing, amazing voice. And he's like large explosions of whale poop, you know, and it's just fascinating. And it turns out that as they come up, these plumes, these massive things, have a a catastrophic, amazing connective process to the oceanic health. Who the heck would have thought that whale poop is the stimulus for the entire food chain? What happens is the whale poop floats up to the top because it floats it hits into the phoetic zone it's in the littoral zone of the ocean it's bombarded by sunlight and then the nitrogen and phosphorus the fertilizer from the ocean and a poop from the whale poop this organic matter can stimulate the phytoplankton the phytoplankton will then die will then represent and will get bigger and bigger and bigger which is just more usable energy it's more biological energy for the for the for the Pyramid of creatures to sustain. Bigger primary producers, bigger primary consumers, secondary, tertiary, apex predators. The whole ecosystem flourishes. The bigger the basin, the bigger the bottom, the bigger the biodiversity. You can think of a jungle. Jungles have a massive array of plants, massive array of biodiversity. A desert, very low amount of plants because of the water, very low biodiversity. But the ocean is the diversity. It's everything that we have here. So it turns out that the whale poop is the sustaining thing that stimulates massive massive amounts of health and wellness biodiversity wise within the ecosystems. So in this story here, it all centers around this process of a guy named James Lovelock in 1970. And this is just a hypothesis, you know, Oh, I'm sorry, let me let me talk about one more thing. I have one more cool stat to share with you. Here, Sadly, there's one stat I found that at one point, we believed there were over 200,000 blue whales, and now there's only about 8,000 left on the planet. So again, this whole process of what we're doing here, we have a profound impact on the globe around us. And What this also does is that the whales not only stimulate the ecosystems and the biodiversity. If you're stimulating phytoplankton, you're geoengineering the planet, people. You're stimulating and creating more and more creatures that take the wonderful things of photosynthesis and give it to us as a benefit. CO2 is terrible. CO2 traps water vapor. You hear about it all the time. CO2 is the greenhouse gas, which methane's probably worse now, but what can you do because of fracking? You know, the the CO2 is up there, and these guys will suck it in and give you air. We'll give you the weird, wild, wonderful atmospheric thing. We'll transfer it, and then the byproduct is also water. Oh, my God. Sugar and oxygen come out if you just feed it this. And if the whales are healthy and the whales are there, they will poop. They will crap on the surface of the ocean and stimulate CO2 turning into oxygen. They will manipulate and change the atmosphere of our planet. Trish Lavender, uh, Trish Lavery, sorry, of Australia's Finders University, calculated that one whale, one fecal plume, can transfer upwards of 400,000 tons of CO2, which is about as much of the CO2 that comes out of a coal-burning fire plant, f- power plant. I mean think about it so we are just connected on the grandest scale James Lovelock in 1970 came up with the Gaia hypothesis that the earth itself is like this regulating thing you know it's this system upon systems that will find its way to balance the abiotic and the biotic will do this dance and that is the dance that's the dance of everything the connections of nature are the connections of us because based on evolution and natural selection you are the byproduct of a massive connected universe that has stimulated and come into being and out of being over generations upon generations to become the thing that you are so we as humans always put us at the center and we put us in this amazing powerful place and we complain about things like you know i don't i don't i'm not going to get onto it we complain about all the stuff that we are i can't wait for this election season to be over i'm over it already right but in the end we're standing on this rock that is interconnected between all things 35 plus or minus million species exist there's 7 billion humans on the planet one species all homos Homo sapiens, right there. There's a million insects for every one person on the planet. There's 380,000 different types of beetles out there, countless bacteria. There's more bacteria in your gut, in like one square centimeter of your intestine, than there are people that have ever existed on the planet. Our Earth is a bastion of teeming life top to bottom side to side and the deeper and crazier we get into this biological world we see that it's all connected i'm not even talking quantum levels here it's connected beyond belief we remove the we remove the wolves the big bad scary wolf of our nightmares and our entire beautiful national park crumbles in biodiversity input them in and in a few years in just a year the entire topography the rivers change the animals change the life changes the wonder changes we get rid of the whales we don't we lose the whale poop an ecosystem of the ocean atmosphere being geoengineered from a catalyst of a large explosion of whale poop fecal plumes people so that's what this is as you sit here and you stare around and you're doing and whatever it is you're doing and you're feeling whatever it is you're feeling, you're standing on a rock that's connected beyond belief. And if that makes you realize the importance of just hanging on to just a little compassion, a little bit of hope, a little bit of understanding that it's so vital to take care of this earth, because it's all that we have. And you get to stand here, this intercoagulated ball of stellar debris, energized by this crazy thing that's ninety-three million miles away from us called the sun, all of a part in the Goldilocks conditions of this wonderful little thing called the solar system you get to be here you get to have these matter these energies these atoms that have been here for 4.5 billion years these atoms have been all things everything you get them you get to hang on to them and they get to formulate and create this crazy little lego structure that is what we call a human and you get to call you and then you get to be here for this set amount of time that will one day cease and that's what we call life So you're a wonderful, tiny, little, beautiful, little dust speck floating around on this tiny, beautiful, little dust speck, orbiting around some tiny, little, beautiful, little dust speck, an interconnected series of events. So you get to sit here for this little tiny bit with headphones in your ears, listening to my voice, changing the neuroplasticity of your brain, understanding that the world around us is just connected beyond belief. So... Go out there, enjoy your week. Be a part of the thing that it is. Look around a little bit. Breathe in the air. Drink in the water. Interact with the world around you. Because not only are we connected biologically, we're connected emotionally. We're all here. We're all we're all fighting the same fight. We all are. Be kind. We're all fighting the same battle. Some of us are some of us are square pegs and round holes. Some of us are round pegs and square holes. Just make a new hole. If you're round, make a round one. If you're square, make a square one. If you're square and you already have your square, reach over help the person next to you change their hole so they can figure out where their fit because in the end here guys we're all connected we're all little tiny blips on the radar we're all wonderful things this conglomeration of awesomeness with infinite possibilities with this tiny thing that we call our brain so go forth today go forth this week enjoy the ride be you be awesome and understand that no matter what there is our lives this world biology science motivation life it's all connected and it's all epic so have a wonderful week you beautiful little dust specks.